The Book of Enoch, found within the Dead Sea Scrolls, quoted by Jude, taught from by Peter and our Messiah, this great text was preserved for the end times generation, a guidebook for those coming out of Mystery Babylon, coming out of Egypt and her ways into the true service of our Elohim. Join us as we read through and study this amazing gift line by line. Shabbat Shalom and welcome back, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Parable of the Vineyard YouTube live stream of our Book of Enoch series. My name is Adam, your host, and I welcome you. This is part 13. We're going to be covering chapters 48 through 51. We're going to be talking more about our amazing Messiah uh, and also talking about the end times harvest. There's three main harvests of the end times, and we're going to be talking about those tonight. Very excited. Lots to cover, as always. So let's get started with some prayer. Heavenly Father, Yahweh Most High, we come before you and bless you and praise you and thank you for your sending your Son, Messiah, that we may have life and forgiveness and reconciliation and that he showed us how to walk in your Torah in spirit and truth the right way, Father. And we just thank you for all that you do for us, for opening our eyes in these last days. We thank you for your Shabbat, which you say is as a sign between us and you, a weekly appointment, Father. Thank you for opening us our eyes to how amazing it truly is uh, alongside all your other feast days, your new moons, um, and anything that we can just be obedient to in these crazy times we live in, Father. But what a blessed time it is. We thank you for choosing us to be this generation to come back to your way. We love you, and may you bless this study, Father. May your Ruach HaKodesh help us, guide us, teach us, uh, and open our eyes to your truth in our ears, that we may be faithful hearers and doers. In Yahushua's mighty name, amen and hallelujah. Let's get started. Uh, let's, let's wake y'all up. That's right. Praise him with a shofar. If you don't have a shofar yet, I would highly recommend one. You can go on eBay or on Amazon and you can get some as low as like 20, 30 bucks. Um, like with all things, of course, you get you get what you pay for. But it's just, you know, just like a lot of us have been finding out, it's there's something ancient about walking in Abba's ways. There's something ancient and powerful about blowing the shofar. Um, it's a spiritual weapon. Uh, make, make no doubt about it. Um, Anyways, let's not get on a rabbit trail. <laughs> so here we are, Enoch 48. Um, in case you're just stumbling across this one, this we're doing an entire line-by-line -line series of the Book of Enoch. This is part 13. We're in chapter 48. We're reading through the R.H. Charles version, which is available free online. Uh, there's many different translations of Enoch out there that are great and amazing. The Hallelujah Scriptures version, the Sefer version. Um, this just happens to be the most readily available online free. And uh, it's the one I have read the most, so I'm most comfortable with it, but um, 
Anyways, so that's the version we're reading, and we're going to be doing a lot of cross-referencing uh, as we uh, go through this. So here we go, uh, Enoch 48, and again, the first part here, we're going to be talking more about Messiah, kind of finishing up what we were discussing last week, and then the main portion of today's study will be the end times harvest, end time stuff, right? All right, Enoch 48. And in that place, I saw the fountain of righteousness, which was inexhaustible, and around it were many fountains of wisdom. And all the thirsty drank of them. We'll talk about who's thirsty. And were filled with wisdom, and their dwellings were with the righteous and the holy and elect. And at that hour, that son of man was named in the presence of Yahweh Sebaot, and his name before the head of days. Yea, so now we're talking about the deity of Messiah right here, right? Because some people just say, <clears throat> he's just a man that was righteous, and Yah picked him. Mm-mm. Yea, before the sun and the signs were created, before the stars of the heaven were made, his name was named before Yahweh Sebaot. And the book of John says that everything that was made in this world was made through him, through our Messiah. So uh, as we discussed last week in depth, if you want to learn more about how we understand um, our father and his son, Messiah, Yahusha, uh, last week we kind of dove right into that. So um, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that, but just in case you're, you're catching this one and not last week, uh, we fully believe that Messiah uh, is Elohim, that he is um, an eternal being that was with the Father uh, since before the creation uh, of the world, and that through him, uh, he created everything. And we also believe that Messiah uh, do, does not lie, and he said that no one has seen the Father. Um, you know, so we believe that, uh, at least I believe, I, I can't speak for everyone that listens to this ministry, I believe that Messiah... Um, is an eternal being that he is the one that formed Adam out of the dust, the ground, that he was the, the one that was speaking to Moses out of the bush, that he was the one on top of Mount Sinai sp- giving the commandments, that he was the one uh, leading Israel out of Egypt by the pillar of fire and cloud. He was the one that uh, was standing on top of the rock, as it says, as Moshe cracked the rock and the water came out. Um, that he was the one every time the prophet said, and the word of the Lord or the word of Yahweh came unto me saying, that he's the word. So that he was literally the one speaking to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, prophets, Ezekiel, Isaiah, uh, all of them. So um, <clears throat> that's why it the, the Jews should have recognized him when he came but they didn't because they didn't have a love of the word. They didn't have a love of the Father. So anyways, that's the deity of Messiah. But tonight specifically, we're talking about the fountain of righteousness, and we're going to see how this intertwines um, with the Son of Man, Messiah. So let's go to uh, the book of John, but not until we get our blue light blocking glasses on. John chapter 7, 37 through 39. In the last day, that great day of the feast, is the feast of Sukkot, Yahusha stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Right? And so we here in Enoch, it said here, talking about the fountain of wisdom and all the thirsty drink of them. Here he's saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. So he's literally the fountain. Uh, but there's something more to that, and we're going to read that here. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But the spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Ruach HaKodesh was not yet given, because that Yahusha was not yet glorified. So we know that throughout the scriptures, the Holy Spirit has been on 
different people uh, throughout time. We know that that spirit was on Moses. We know the spirit was given to uh, many of the prophets uh, through the time, uh, throughout time. But it wasn't given in mass until, of course, after his resurrection in the, the day of Shavuot, Pentecost, when it was given. So anyways, we see Messiah um, <clears throat> and the connection here of the uh, anyone who's thirsty, come to drink, the scripture uh, flowing uh, li living water. And that's what we're talking about here. The fountains of wisdom, um, the thirsty drank of them. Let's talk about that. So John 16, 13 through 14, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he shall show you things to come. He shall glorify me or esteem me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So the, the whole reason the Holy Spirit was given, right, was to guide you into all truth, which we know the truth is a synonym for the Torah. Psalm 119, 142, look it up for yourself. Ezekiel 36, 27, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. It's the whole reason for giving of the Holy Spirit, right? <clears throat> to help us, help us walk in this path, help us walk in his commandments and to help teach us these things. Now, we're going to bring it all together with the word, uh, with uh, the spirit, the the waters, uh, and remember, in in oftentimes in the scriptures, we refer we are referred to as plants, trees that are supposed to bear fruit, and we can look in nature. Of course, the seed is sown, and the plant grows up. Some plants that are grown grow thorns and thistles and are not really useful. Some grow up and grow fruit that can be enjoyed. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 32, 1 through 2, Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine, this is this is the doctrine from above, from the doctrine from the Father. Even Messiah said, and you know, my doctrine is not my own, but he who sent me. This is all the Father's doctrine. So everything always gets pointed back to the Father, all glory, all praise, and honor to the Father. This is all his. So my doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. So if we are to be plants that are growing, <clears throat> if we want to grow up and to be strong, healthy plants that bears fruit, it's his doctrine which is symbolized as that water. And that's why Messiah is the word, and we're supposed to hunger and thirst after the word and after righteousness, right? Jeremiah 2.13, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken the fountain of living waters and hewed them out cisterns and broken cisterns that can hold no water. Right? They rejected him. They rejected him because what? Because they rejected his ways, his commandments. Jeremiah 17.7-10, 7 Blesses the man that trusts in Yahuwah and whose help, hope is Yahuwah. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreads out her roots by the river. And shall not see when heat comes, but her leaf shall be green, and shall be not careful in the year of drought, neither shall uh, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Starting to make sense, right? The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, Yahweh, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, and according to the fruit of his doings. Sorry, my, Jeremiah 17, 13. O Yahuwah, the hope of Israel, all that forsake you shall be ashamed, and they that depart from me shall be written in the earth, because they have forsaken Yahuwah, the fountain of living waters. Isaiah 55, 1 through 3. Ho, everyone that thirsts. That's, again, what we're talking about here, this fountain of righteousness. 
which was inexhaustible, and around it were many fountains of wisdom, and all the thirsty drank of them, and were filled with wisdom, and all their dwellings were with the holy, the righteous and the holy and the elect. And we're tying again to the Son of Man, <clears throat> Messiah. Ho, everyone that thirsts, come ye to the waters, and he that has no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come and buy wine and milk without money, without price. Wherefore, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfies not? And here, this is the whole thing about who thirsts. Coming to the waters, which means to hearken diligently unto me. We've said many times throughout this study of what it means to hearken unto him. It means to obey him. And eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come to me here, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. A little bit further down on the same chapter. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not here, returns not there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So just like these things happen in nature, about rain coming down and, and basically creating food and, and good, pleasant things, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. So this is what we're supposed to thirst after. We're supposed to thirst and hunger for his word. Messiah is the living word that came down. He came down not to change everything up, but to show us how to do it and how to actually keep his Torah, which is not a burden, but a blessing. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. John 4, this is the Messiah sitting at the uh, well with the woman at the well. And Messiah said and answered unto her, whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. Because he asked her for some water and she's like, you don't have anything to draw it with, you know. Um, and he's like, hey, whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever shall drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst again, shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman says unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come here to draw. So he's obviously talking about thirsting after righteousness, which he says here in Matthew 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I didn't put it in here. <clears throat> what is righteousness? Let's put it right here. Oh, yeah, and, you know, let's also do this. Uh-oh. So let's talk about right hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Remember, this is what we're talking about here. And all the thirsty drank of them and were filled with wisdom. Let's define this. So blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Deuteronomy 6.25, And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before Yahuwah Elohim as he has commanded us. Uh, so let's do it. First John 3, 4. Whosoever commits sin transgresses also the law, the Torah, for sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abides in him sins not. So it just defines that, that if we want to abide in him, what that means is that we stop sinning, which means we start keeping the Torah. 
Whosoever sins has not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. Let no pastor, let no false interpretation of Paul's words, nothing. Let no man deceive you. He that does righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. <clears throat> Revelation 22, 1-3, still talking about the waters. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of Elohim and out of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, there was the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of Elohim, and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Hallelujah. Who wants to be there? I do. How about you? Probably. Yeah, I'll say 100%. If you're watching this, you want to be there too. Revelation 22, 14, this is, the, this is the requirement. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. We have to keep his commandments, right? Like Just like John said, let no one deceive you. He that does righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. And he, in another passage, he says, he that has this hope in himself purifies himself even as he is pure. And of course, we know, uh, be therefore holy or Kodesh or set apart because he is set apart. We're supposed to act like him. All right. <clears throat> Verse, uh, okay, so here, we'll, we'll keep going now. Verse four, he, Messiah, shall be a staff to the righteous whereon to stay themselves and not fall. And he shall be the light of the Gentiles, the nations, and the hope of those who are troubled at heart. So he is our support. Like like Paul, um, no, Paul Peter says, you know, cast your cares on him, for he loves you. Right? He, like, that's the one thing that we've learned. And it's like, I think maybe some of us thought that when we come to belief, come to the truth, come to faith, even coming into this walk that, like, the red carpet's rolled out and everything's easier and everybody's like, you know, you know, accepts what you're doing and like loves it and it's kind of op the opposite sometimes and so what we learn is that <clears throat> the, the longer that we're in the faith the longer that we trust him and the more that we go through these trials that we just learn to trust him and it says he shall be a staff to the righteous we're on to stay him so so think about someone that has a the staff that needs help walking right that is like a support it's like a crutch right it's like a helper so Messiah is like our helper. Oh, maybe he sends his Holy Spirit upon us to be that helper, literally. But li literally, he himself is our our support, our support network, right? Of course, we have support networks, you know, in our local fellowships and things like that, but or online or wherever. But he is literally our help. And one thing we have to realize is, you know, we're living in modern-day Egypt or Babylon, whatever you want to call it, and we can't trust politics, the leaders, uh, that's just not the time that we live in. We don't live in uh, a community ran by Yah and his Torah. We can't trust these people. Isaiah 36, 6. Lo, you trust in the staff of this broken reed on Egypt, whereon if a man lean, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all that trust in him. So imagine if America is modern-day Egypt. This is what people are doing. You can call the, you know, presidency or whatever, Pharaoh. And we just put out a study uh, earlier this week that we're also not supposed to curse, uh, you know, 
the rulers of, of the people, just like we read in our Torah portion last week, uh, Exodus twenty two twenty eight, I think it is. Um, so even though these people may not be the most honorable people, we still have to be blameless in Yah's court, in his heavenly court, because right out of our mouth come blessing and cursings. We're not supposed to curse these rulers of the people, but I'm also saying we're not supposed to trust in these people for safety, for hope, for any of these things. Um, Yah is our hope. Yahusha is our hope. Regardless of what happens in this world that's going on right now, as of as of right now, I don't know when you'll be listening to this, but as of right now, we're in the midst of the uh, Ukraine-Russia thing, and um, you know people are looking to um, you know the leadership for safety and peace and safety and you know all those kind of things. So um, we walk a we walk a fine line of of how we're supposed to be in these end times, and all I'm saying is that at the end of the day. Our staff that we trust in is not Egypt, is not America. This is not our country. Our country, we are supposed to be sojourners and pilgrims in this world. As of right now, things could change at any moment, but as of right now, sure, it's comfortable to live in this country, much like I'm sure it was to live in Babylon or in Egypt before they were you know, totally oppressed. That could change any second. I'm sure we'll all appreciate that if it stayed this way until the time Yahusha came back, but I mean, who knows how this actually is going to work out. All I'm saying is that if we lean on the staff of Egypt, it's like a broken reed. We're on if a man lean, it'll go into his hand. Think about a staff. What if the handle of that staff all of a sudden became a uh, like an end of a spear and it would just like go through your hand if you lean on it? That's what it's talking about. So he, Messiah, is the staff where on the righteous to stay themselves. That means to support themselves and not fall. Praise Yah. He shall be the light of the Gentiles, the nations, right? We see this here in Isaiah 11, 1 through 2. There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots, and the spirit of Yahuwah shall rest upon him. So this is the Holy Spirit shall be on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of Yahweh. The seven spirits that we see in the book of Revelation. They're all Messiah. Here, this is the verse we need to read. Verse 10. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. It also says here in Enoch that he, uh, the hope of those who are troubled at heart. How many of us have some woes and things were going on? Things are that's going on in our lives. Matthew eleven twenty eight through thirty. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Right? Who is he? The Word. There's many references to the yoke of the Torah. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And I can tell you as a witness. As a person that thought he was doing things the right way and never found that peace, that fe- only peace I've ever found was uh, diligently seeking our Father through His Son Messiah Yahusha, believing on Him and uh, you know His offering of Himself for us, His blood, His atonement, covering, and doing the best that I know how to to walk as He walked according to the commandments, the Torah of the Most High. That Torah. When we walk in it, like we said earlier with the blowing the shofar, there's something ancient about it. There's something ancient and peaceful and right. Like the word peaceful, shalom. There's so there's shalom that comes with walking in his way. And I can stand as a witness here before you to let you know that 
that's how it is. In case you're new and you're like, the Torah, it's so hard. Nobody can do it. It's a burden. I'm here to tell you it's not. At first, there's some adjustments, sure. And nobody likes change. But a lot of us have found throughout our lifetimes that sometimes that change, though it was, you know, different at first, ended up being the best thing you ever did. And that's how the Torah is. For my yoke, the yoke of the Torah is easy and my burden is light. It was the yoke of the Pharisees and the Sadducees with all these added man-made traditions that were hard to do. Like the Sabbath, it's amazing. It's my This is my favorite day of the week. But, you know, in Judaism, it's kind of painful. Like there's some, depends on what sect of Judaism you're in, but it's like the added man-made traditions. It's like so, some people are like, you can't even turn on your light switch. Some people will say like, if you can get off your couch or your bed, you're working and you're breaking the Sabbath. Like that's, that's painful. That's a burden, right? So his yoke, the father's yoke, the Messiah's yoke is easy and his burden is light. First John 5, 1 through 3, everyone who believes that Yahusha is the Messiah has been born of Elohim and everyone who loves the father loves whoever has been born of him. Right? So this is a powerful statement. Like, even though we have disagreements, you know, and stuff, right? everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. There's another passage that says, How can you say that you love Elohim, who you have not seen, but not love your own brother who you see right now? Right? And so we have these divisions, and it's like, Oh, you're not my brother because you don't believe this specific doctrine that I believe. And it's just like, it's so painful to see. We can't be this way. Hebrews 12, 14, follow peace with all men and righteousness without which no one shall see Yahuwah. By this we know that we love the children of Elohim when we love Elohim and obey his commandments. That's how we love him. For this is the love of Elohim that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Right? Whew. He is the hope of those who are troubled at heart. All right, let's keep going. Um... Verse 5, all who dwell on the earth shall fall down and worship before him. This is Messiah. And will praise and bless and celebrate with songs. Yahuwah Sebao. This is, sounds like the throne room scene in Revelation 4 and 5 and verse uh, chapter 15 in Revelation. And for this reason has he been chosen and hidden before him before the creation of the world and forevermore. Messiah is undoubtedly Elohim, God, if you want to. Some people will be like, no, you can't say that word. It's literally the same word as the tribe of Gad. Gimel Dalid, God. Anyways. Um, the point is, is that he is eternal and has been with the Father before the creation of the earth. Some people, some people ask, well, was Messiah at one point created by the Father? I, I don't know. You know, that's not my, that's not my expertise. All I know the scriptures clearly teach, you know, I know in Colossians it does say he's the firstborn of all creation. Um, that also could be pointing to the first uh, of the resurrection. He was the first, you know, born in the resurrection. But um, all I know and what the scriptures teach is that he was with the Father before the creation of anything. And that is no, that is no mortal man's uh, feet. That is an Elohim. That is an um, eternal being. All right, so verse 7, And the wisdom of Yahweh Sabot has revealed him to the holy and the righteous, for he has preserved the law of the righteous, because they have hated and despised this world of unrighteousness, and have hated all its works and ways in the name of Yahweh Sabot. For in his name are they saved, and according to his good pleasure has it been in regard to their life. Lots to unpack on this. 
Um, I didn't realize we we're going to spend so much time on this part here. Uh, I'll try to go through it a little faster because we have a lot to cover in chapters 49, 50, and 51. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away in the lust thereof. But he that does the will of Elohim abides forever. This is a topic that I would probably like to do a video on specifically or a study on one day. Because, you know, when people say love not the world, you know, you can, it's really kind of wide open a lot of people's interpretation of what loving the world means you know like some people would condemn um like let's say you take your family out bowling be like oh that's worldly you shouldn't be doing that is it what really is what is the worldly things i mean i think it says he you know it says right here the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, right? Because if you take that all the way to it, if you say like, okay, if you go bowling, then you're living in the world, right? Okay, well, what about if we take our, our children to the playground, right? Is that loving the world? Well, what about your car? Your car was made by men of the world. Is that loving the world? I don't think so. You know, I think people can take it really extreme, but really what is you know, loving the world, the lust of the flesh, this could be things that are like leading to fornication, physical and spiritual, which uh, we've done studies on this before and many others have. Spiritual fornication is like obviously participating in worldly uh, holidays like Christmas and Easter. Um, also, it could be very literal lust of the flesh, you know, um, Obviously, a lot of the things that people can get into online uh, that would be considered lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes, um, pride of life, uh, you know, this can get really deep here. But these things are not of the Father. And I'm here to tell you, you know, I don't think if you take your children, your family out bowling, that you're loving the world. Um, I think you can really also take that to the extreme. Because again, you know, if you start condemning that, then you have to condemn driving cars, um, going on trains, subways, uh, airplanes. Um, what about, you know, going to the grocery store? You know, is that, that's worldly. You know, Abba intended all of us to uh, grow our own food and things like that. So you could really take it to the extreme, which I don't. Um, but, you know, like, for example, uh, I used to, I used to uh, love football. I used to really get into um, fantasy football, and I knew every player and every stat and everything. That was an idol for me, and so I don't watch football, you know, anymore. Does that mean that other people can't watch football? That's not for me to determine, you know. Uh, I think people can have different lusts of the flesh, different, uh, like, like also, for example, um, I used to partake in too much alcohol. And so for me, it's best to abstain. Does that mean somebody else has to abstain? Because they can have one beer or I uh, can have a glass of wine, which is obviously not forbidden. So we each have different vices, different things. So um, really, I'd like to do a follow-up study on this, but uh, I want to. I, I really wanted to kind of mention that. I really think at the end of the day, loving the world is, you know, the teachings of the world, uh, um, the, the crud that they teach in schools and... Um, you know, greed and, and lust uh, of money and the things that money buys, um, worldly holidays and Sunday and um, I don't know, things like that. But 
Anyways, James 4, 4. You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with Elohim. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of Elohim. And I think this does go uh, coincide with like worldly holidays and, and things like that. Just my opinion, of course. First John 4, 4-5. through 5, You are of Elohim, little children, have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak of the world, and the, and the world hears them. And that kind of goes into a lot what a lot of us have experienced through doctrine. Um, you know, um, the world hears a message of lawlessness, which is uh, believe in, in the Son, uh, Messiah, which obviously is true, but the continued gospel message is that you don't have to do the law because he did it for you. It's too hard. Nobody else can do it. Uh, all those, those are all worldly messages, right? And people that are of the world hear that message, and people that are of the world don't hear a message of walking in the light, walking in the truth, walking in the way, walking in the same way our Messiah did to abide in him, to truly abide in him. People can't hear that that are of the world, that lo- that are really in tune with the world, that... Um, love its ways and and i don't know uh, just things to consider things to consider matthew six twenty four. no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other you cannot serve elohim and mammon mammon being money is money a sin no is loving money can that lead to sin absolutely and and ill behavior absolutely so serving money and having money are two different things John fifteen eighteen through 19, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, would the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And I think a lot of us uh, are have experienced this. You know, in this world, unless you're living in some countries, um, there are some countries where you're persecuted for just believing in Messiah, no doubt. And I won't take that away. It's China. Um, I know some people in Pakistan, um, maybe some places in Africa. I'm not really too sure. But there's some places that you're persecuted for just believing in Messiah. Muslim, typically Muslim-run uh, countries. But, you know, in, in other areas of the world, you know, you're not persecuted for loving Messiah or preaching Messiah. You're persecuted for preaching obedience to the Torah. And alongside your faith in Messiah, right? How there's a passage. There's a passage that says, "He who has, oh, let's see, I'm gonna butcher it. I don't want to butcher it. Isaiah 51, maybe. No, it's 52, I think. No." No, I don't know. I'm not going to spend time. Okay. Romans 8, 1 through 9. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Messiah Husha, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Messiah Husha has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. The law wasn't weak, but the flesh was weak. People would say that the law was weak. No, it's the flesh that was weak. Elohim sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, didn't condemn the law, that the righteousness of the Torah, the law, might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Well, what is walking in the flesh? Um, Galatians 5, 
right? Some people would say the works of the flesh are keeping the Torah. Uh, but if you, let's see, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. This is all Torah-breaking stuff, right? That the righteousness of the Torah might be fulfilled in us, be brought to the full, the full measure, not to be done away with, but not for who walk not after the flesh, which is the things we just mentioned, but after the Spirit, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, which are all the things that we just read here. For to be carnally minded, fleshly minded, is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We do know that Paul also said that the Torah is spiritual. Because the carnal mind is enmity against Elohim, for it is not subject to the law of Elohim, neither indeed can it be. So you have to really understand. Paul is probably the most hard to understand books. And unfortunately, some people just read Paul. And if they don't understand the rest of the books, they won't understand Paul. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please Elohim. Lawbreakers cannot please Elohim. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, that the spirit of Elohim dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Messiah, he is none of his. And here we just saw here, wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Romans seven twelve, or in seven fourteen, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Then he goes on to say, praise be to Yahuwah for sending Messiah, that redeemed us. Okay, let's close up a couple of these tabs. Anyways, there's a passage in Isaiah I was trying to search for earlier that says that they that remove themselves from evil, make themselves a prey, right? The world hates them. Um, let's take a look at, let's take a look at Enoch 108. I forgot to put the, um, it's like literally the last chapter about loving the world. We're going to look at Enoch 108, verse 7 through the 10. Actually, it's interesting. Uh, actually, we'll read verse 1. Another book which Enoch wrote for his son Methuselah and for those who will come after him and keep the law in the last days. <laughs> verse 7. For some of them are written and inscribed above in the heaven in order that the angels may read them and know that which shall befall the sinners and the spirits of the humble and those who have afflicted their bodies and have been recompensed by Elohim and those who have been put to shame by wicked men who love Elohim and love neither gold nor silver nor any of the good things which are in the world but gave over their bodies to torture who since they came into being longed not after earthly food but regarded everything as a passing breath and lived accordingly and Yahweh tried them much and their spirits were found pure, so that they should bless his name. And all the blessings destined for them I have recounted in the books. And he has assigned them their recompense, their repayment, because they have been found to be such as loved heaven more than their life in the world. And though they are trodden under foot of wicked men and experienced abuse and reviling from them that were put to shame, yet they blessed me. And now I will summon the spirits of the good who belong to the generation of light. And I will transform those who were born in darkness who in the flesh were not recompensed with such honor as their faithfulness deserved. And I will bring forth in shining light those who have loved my Kodesh name, my set-apart name, and will seat each on the throne of his honor, and they shall be resplendent for times without number, for righteousness is the judgment of Elohim. For to the faithful he will give faithfulness in the habitation of upright paths. And they shall see those who were born in darkness led into darkness, while the righteous shall be resplendent, and their sinners shall cry aloud and see them resplendent, and they indeed will go where days and seasons are prescribed for them. That's the end of the book of Enoch. 
So it says, right? So we, again, wisdom ha- back to Enoch 48, verse 7, and wisdom of Yahweh Sabaoth has revealed him to the holy and the righteous, for he has preserved the lot of the righteous because they have hated and despised this world of unrighteousness. And this is what we see. I didn't have this in the study, but um, for time's sake, look at yourself. Um, Ezekiel chapter 9 talks about those who cry and weep and sigh for the abominations done in this world and we can we can sit here for probably 30 minutes and name off the disgusting things happening in this world one of the and one of the biggest tragedies is that the truth has been removed from the doctrine of messiah Yahushua. but of course we have all the literal things like the child trafficking and when we get started but they have to hate it and despise this world of unrighteousness and have hated all its works and its ways in the name of Yahweh Sebo. Just like we also, I hate Christmas. I hate Easter because I hate the things it stands for. For in his name they are saved and according to his good pleasure it has been regarded to their life. And also said that uh, he, we have been revealed, he has been revealed to the righteous. John 6, 44 through 45, No man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by Elohim. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Who is he? Of course, he's our Messiah. He's our Master. He's also the Torah made flesh. Or all the Word made flesh. Excuse me. 2 Ezra 14, 42 through 48. Remember, it says here, um, where is it? And for this reason, reason has he been chosen and hidden before him, before the creation, right? He was hidden. And he's still hidden from some people. Just like some of the scriptures are. 2 Ezra 14, 48 Because again, if Messiah, just go with me on this. If Messiah is the word, well, is he just Genesis through Revelation? Or is he also... Right, written all throughout Enoch and in um, the Apocrypha and some of the Dead Sea Scrolls that are legitimate, you know, things like that. And the, mo- and the so this is to Ezra's fourteen forty two to forty eight. This is when Ezra um, is praying for all the scriptures to be restored because they are all destroyed by the Babylonian army. And it says the Most High gave understanding to the five men, and by turns they wrote what was dictated in characters which they did not know. They sat forty days and wrote during the daytime and ate their bread at night. As for me, I spoke in the daytime and was not silent at night. So during the forty days, ninety-four books were written, and when the forty days were ended, the Most High spoke to me, saying, Make public the twenty-four books that you wrote first, and let the worthy and unworthy read them. And it just so happens that this became the Hebrew Tanakh. But keep the seventy that were written last in order to give them to the wise among your people. For in them is the spring of understanding, the fountain of wisdom, and the river of knowledge. And I did so. And that goes right back to the beginning of the study about the, the fountain of wisdom, obviously connecting to our Messiah. So our Messiah is totally revealed in some of these books that were hidden for the wise in the last days. Pretty cool stuff. All right, let's finish up this chapter 8 through 9. In those days, downcast and countenance shall the kings of the earth have become, and strong who possess the land because of the works of their hands. For on the day of their anguish and affliction, they shall not be able to save themselves. This is the great tribulation. And I will give them over into the hands of mine elect. As a straw in the fire, so shall they burn before the face of the holy. As lead in the water, shall they sink before the face of the righteous, and no trace of them shall be found anymore. We see this here. Psalm 91, 
A thousand shall fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh to you. Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. This is what we just read here. We also see this in the Targum of Isaiah, uh, which is the Aramaic version, literally the last verse of 66 of the last book. We see the same thing. And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men, the sinners who have rebelled against my word. For their souls shall not die, and their fire shall not be quenched, and the wicked shall be judged in Sheol, till the righteous shall say concerning them, We have seen enough. That's got to be pretty bad. That's going to be pretty bad. All right, last verse of 48. And on the day of their affliction shall there be rest on the earth. So we're going to see this kind of, um, when tribulation comes, there's going to be rest and um you know, rest for some and anguish for others. So on the day of their affliction, the tribulation, there shall be rest on the earth. And before them, they shall fall and not rise again. And there shall be no one to take them with his hands and raise them. For they have denied Yahweh Sabaoth and his anointed and his Messiah. Like we said last week, there's two beings. There's the father and the son. The name of Yahweh Sabaoth be blessed. So just one quick passage on this to show you. And this is actually going to go right into uh, the next part of this study, which is the end time harvest. There's three main harvests, uh, and there's going to be delight and rest for some, and there's going to be anguish and torment and pain for others. When this day of separation comes to Ezra 2, 27 through 28, do not be anxious for when the day of tribulation and anguish comes, which is what we're talking about here, <clears throat> on the day of their affliction, I thought it said anguish somewhere. Yeah. For on the day of their anguish and affliction, do not be anxious for when the day of tribulation and anguish comes. Others shall weep and be sorrowful, but you shall rejoice and have abundance. That is, of course, if we're walking in faith and obedience to Messiah, Yahushua, and his Torah. The nations shall envy you, but they shall not be able to do anything against you, says Yahuwah. Separation. Now we're going to get into it. Chapter 49. It's kind of a short chapter. <clears throat> and we're going to talk about this rest given to some people. For wisdom is poured out like water. Just like, just like uh, you know, James says, if you want wisdom, ask for it. And he'll give it to you liberally, like freely. Only if you're not double-minded about him and his ways. And glory fails not before him forevermore. For he is mighty in all the secrets of righteousness, and unrighteousness shall disappear as a shadow and have no continuance, because the elect one stands before Yahweh Sebaot, and his glory is forever and ever. This is Messiah, he's the elect one, because the elect one stands before Yahweh Sebaot, so of course the Father, and his glory is forever and ever, and all his might into all generations. And in him dwells the spirit of wisdom. And the spirit which gives insight, and the spirit of understanding, and might, and the spirit of those who have fallen asleep in righteousness. Not an exact match to what we saw in Isaiah 11, uh, but you'll see this is five of the same seven spirits. And he shall judge the secret things, and none shall be able to utter a lying word before him. For he is the elect one before Yahweh Sabaoth, according to his good pleasure. We're just going to spend just a minute here on this. We're going to go right to chapter 50, which is the meat of the study. So again, remember Isaiah 11. Uh, and the spirit of Yahweh shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, and the spirit of knowledge and the fear of Yahweh. That's seven spirits that we see in the book of Revelation. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. 
Let's read about that rest. Hebrews 4. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise of being left us of entering into his rest. This, of course, is the millennial reign. This is that rest that will be on the earth. It says right here, um, oh, it was back here, and on the day of affliction there shall be rest on the earth. And that's what this is referring to here. Entering into his rest, any of you shall should seem to come short of it. Who nobody, nobody here wants to fall short of his rest. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day, the Shabbat, of this wise, and Elohim did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, my Shabbat. Seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not because of unbelief. He's talking about, of course, those that were in the wilderness. They did not keep his ways. They were not faithful and therefore did not enter into his rest, into the land. Same thing is going to happen in the future coming of New Jerusalem. Some will be able to enter. I pray that we are worthy when we are discussing now how we can be ready and worthy as such. Again, he limits a certain day, saying to David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if yeah, if this is talking about Joshua had given them rest, then he would not have afterwards spoken of another day. This is um, speaking, of course, in the future, the millennial reign, there remains, therefore, a rest, a Shabbat to the people of Elohim. This is talking about, therefore, there still remains a future coming of the millennial reign, which the seventh day, the Sabbath, is a, uh, parallel, uh, a, a parallel of that we still keep. For he that has entered into his rest, he also sees from his own works as Elohim did from his. So this is the pattern, right? On the seventh day, my, uh, um, the most high rested, Yahushua rested, and so we do as well on the seventh day. Let us therefore labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of Elohim is quick, this is Messiah, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him to whom we have to do. Seeing that we have a great high priest, so now it's still talking about the word of Elohim, that is passed into the heavens, Yahushua, the son of Elohim, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hallelujah. All right. Now let's move on now to chapter 50. Big one here. How are we doing on time? Okay, plenty of time. Great. I didn't think we were going to spend that much time on 48 and 49, but it's okay. <clears throat> Water break. Okay, chapter 50. And in those days, still talking about time of the tribulation, in those days, a change shall take place for the holy and elect, and the light of days shall abide upon them, and glory and honor shall turn to the holy. On the day of affliction, so this is the talking about the great tribulation, on which evil shall have been treasured up against the sinners. So in this passage, we're going to see three harvests of the end times. And the righteous shall be victorious in the name of Yahweh Sabaot. Group one. Harvest one, and he will cause the others to witness this, 
that they may repent and forego the works of their hands. This is group two, second harvest. They shall have no honor through the name of Yahweh Sabaoth, yet through his name they shall be saved. And Yahweh Sabaoth will have compassion on them, for his compassion is great. So this is group two, and I think we have a different version here. Uh, the Sefer, others shall be made to see this, the other group, group two, that they must repent because their works were not in line with his Torah, and forsake the works of their hands, that the glory awaits them not in the presence of Yahweh Sabaoth, yet by the, his name they should be saved. So we're going to talk about what that means or may mean here in just a minute. <clears throat> so that's group two. Group three, and he, or this is not group three, and he is righteous also in his judgment and in the presence of his glory, unrighteousness also shall not maintain itself. At his judgment, the unrepentant shall perish before him. So that's group three, that is unrepentant. And henceforth, I'll have no mercy on them, says Yahuwah Sabaoth. So this is the three main harvests of Israel in the end times, and we can see it in Revelation 14. I'm going to go through this quickly. If you want to study this further in depth, just type in <clears throat> sorry, Revelation 14, end times, harvests, parable of the vineyard. And you'll see we took like two hours on just this chapter, which I'm going to go through quickly and just point out, highlight to you. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him a hundred and forty-four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. They are literally marked. <clears throat> and I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. So this is very much like what we see in Revelation 4, 5, and 15. And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne, just like Revelation 15, and Revelation 4 and 5, and before the four beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. We also learn in chapter 7 that the great multitude comes with uh, the, the, the 144,000 at the same time, but it just seems that on top here on, on Mount Zion, maybe we're only seeing the 144,000, although um, two Ezra chapter 2 does say it's also the great multitude. These are they which are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. A lot of people say this is literal, so they're like their children. Um, in that study, we go through this really in depth, especially our 144,000 video on that same um, series that we did. Uh, that this is talking about uh, these are virgins that are not defiled with the woman, the harlot. Uh, the tale, the, the book of Revelation, is a tale of two women: the the righteous one and the harlot. Um, and we I, we believe that these people are not defiled with the defilement of uh, Mystery Babylon and all of her daughters and their teachings of the ways of the world and of the devils. They are which, they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goes. And so we believe that is the definition of being not defiled. These were redeemed from the, among men, being the first fruits unto Elohim and to the Lamb. So this is the first um, harvest, and this is what's considered the barley harvest in the, the first portion of the year around Passover, uh, unleavened bread time, first fruits. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear Elohim and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. And this is the time of great tribulation, of great anguish. And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. We believe this is what it's talking about, not to be defiled with her, with women. 
And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of Elohim, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. So even after we see after the taking away of the 144,000 and the great multitude, there's still the option of taking the mark of the beast here, which this angel is saying, don't do it. And the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. These are the people that this is what people call the tribulation saints, the people that were not ready. I call them the fo- the foolish virgins, the uh, the ones that knocked on the door and he said, Away from me, I never knew you. And these are the ones that have to, as Enoch says, um, he will cause the others to witness this, right? This change. It says that uh, these people, uh, a change shall take place for them. Maybe it's the first resurrection. Maybe these people missed the first resurrection. And you'll cause the others, group two, to witness that this, this, that they may repent and forego the works of their hands. So here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of Elohim and the faith of Messiah. So they didn't do it before this time uh, of separation came, but they're going to have to do it in this time here of tribulation and anguish. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right blessed are the dead which die in Yahweh from henceforth. So from this time forward, blessed are they that die in him. These people are going to have to give up their lives. A lot of them will have to give up their lives. Um, yea, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. So that's group two. <clears throat> and I looked and behold, a white cloud and upon the cloud one sat like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown and his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap for the time for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So this is the harvesting of the wheat, which is group number two. And he sat on the cloud and thrust in a sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud voice to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. This is group three, the unrepentant. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of Elohim. So these people were tossed into the wrath. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horse bridles, the space of a thousand six hundred furlongs. So we kind of really went through a quick version of this. If you want a full study on it, again, search uh, Revelation 14, End Time Harvests. Uh, parable of the vineyard and you'll you'll find it it's part of our revelation line by line series i think it took us 31 weeks to go through the book of revelation so we really took our time through that um but i wanted to parallel you the three harvests in enoch 50 and the three harvests that we can see in revelation 14 which is also scattered all throughout revelation but in revelation you kind of get the whole series of events there of the first fruits uh the barley harvest the wheat harvest and the grape harvest and those are the three main harvests of israel um all right, so before we get started here with this next portion here, we have to remember Proverbs 6.23, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction in the way of life. So these are defining terms that we can use to interpret other parables. Parables are given to obscure the full meaning unless you're given the understanding. So remember, the commandment is a lamp, and the Torah is light. Matthew 25. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be like unto ten virgins. So the kingdom of heaven is coming down, and we're going to see some are going to get in and some aren't. 
the kingdom of heaven. So this whole parable is about getting into the kingdom of heaven is likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps. The commandment is a lamp and the Torah is light. Which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels and their lamps. There is a commandment in, we'll just show you. In Leviticus 24, <clears throat> command the children of Israel that they bring unto you pure olive oil beaten for the light to cause the lamps continue. So we have to bring forth the oil in order for the light to shine. Is that making sense? So the foolish took their lamps and took no oil, so they didn't bring any oil, so therefore the light of the Torah couldn't shine. But the wise took oil in their vessels and their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept, and at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, right? Give us of your obedience, for our lamps, our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door shut. This is the change that takes place, I believe, that the others have to witness and repent of the works of their hands. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Master, Master, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour where the Son of Man comes. I'm not sure why I put this in here. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Obviously, it's an amazing passage. The person that delights in the Torah and the person that meditates in the Torah shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and brings his forth his fruit in his season. Oh, we're talking about fruit here. Okay. Matthew seven fifteen through 27. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Right? So... Do you gather these good fruits from these unprofitable plants? No. Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. And we define that fruit here in Psalm 1, 1 through 3 as the person that meditates on the Torah. Every tree that brings forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. It's interesting that right after he talks about the tree producing fruits, which goes back to brings us back to Psalm 1, the very next thing he says, it coincides with what happens in the, uh, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. Not everyone that says unto me, Master, Master, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. This denotes obedience. Many will say to me in that day, Master, Master, have we not prophesied in your name, and in your name have cast out devils, and in your name have done many wonderful works? Well, what, what kind of works, right? And then I'll profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. It's this, I never knew you. It's the same thing we see here. Verily I say unto you, I know you not. He doesn't know you, right? And how do we know that we know him? Where is it? Do we have that here? First John 2, 3. Hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Very simple stuff. He makes it very simple to follow him. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon the rock. And all throughout Messiah's uh, his ministry, he taught the keeping of the Torah. But he taught it in keeping it the right way according to the Father's commandments and not man-made teachings. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock.
And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Remember, the commandment is a lamp, and the law, the Torah, is light. Here's a hidden parable of Messiah teaching of Torah obedience. John 3.16 comes right after the most popular verse in history. For Elohim so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It continues, for, so it doesn't stop there, for Elohim sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned, so the still goes, continues, he that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. Keeps going. And this is the condemnation that light, Torah, is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, Torah, because their deeds are evil. Doesn't that make sense of what light means, Torah? For everyone that does evil hates the light, the Torah. Neither comes to the light, the Torah, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that does the truth comes to the light, the Torah, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in Elohim. And that's the true gospel. Believing on the Son and obeying the Torah. Praise Yah. Praise Yah. All right. Daniel 12, 3, Tom of the wise and the foolish, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. This is talking about that change, right? In those days, a change shall take place to the holy elect. And we early reread in 2 Esdras, right? The nation shall envy you. Why would they envy a certain people? The people that don't have to be anxious when the day of tribulation comes. It's perhaps because a change shall take place for those, and the light of days shall abide upon them, and glory and honor shall turn to the holy, right? And other people shall see this, that they may repent and forego the works of their hands. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Praise Yah. Baruch 51. Second Baruch 51. In case you're new. Um, first, bar first Baruch was included in the Apocrypha, but not second Baruch. But this is his second book. Chapter 51. And it shall come to pass when that appointed day has gone by, that then shall the aspect of those who are condemned be afterward changed, and the glory of those who are justified. And this is that change taking place for the... Change will take place for the holy and elect. This is that reward. For the aspect of those who now act wickedly shall become worse than it is, as they shall suffer torment. Also, as for the glory of those who have now been justified in my Torah, look at Romans 2.13 for yourself. We'll just do it now, because we people say that Paul taught lawlessness. For not the hearers of the law are just before Elohim, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Also for the glory of those who have now been justified in my Torah, who have had understanding in their life, who have planted in their heart the root of wisdom, the people that were thirsty and drank of the living waters, then their splendor shall be glorified in changes, and the form of their face shall be turned into the light of their beauty. That's that change, that they may be able to acquire and receive the world which does not die. This is that this is that kingdom, which is then promised to them. For over this above all those who come then lament, that they rejected my Torah and stopped their ears that they might not hear wisdom or receive understanding. This is the master, master open to us. They're going to lament that they rejected my Torah. Right? Others, it cause others to witness this, they may repent and forego the works of their hands. When, when therefore they see those over whom they are now exalted, but those who then shall be exalted and glorified more than they, again, they shall envy you, but shall not be able to do anything against you. 
They shall respectively be transformed the latter into the splendor of angels. That's that change and transformation. And the former shall yet waste more away and wonder at the visions of the beholding of the forms. They're going to see this and they'll be like, they shall first behold and afterward be depart to be tormented. This is the time of tribulation. But those who have been saved by their works and to whom the Torah has now been a hope and understanding and an expectation and a wisdom and a confidence shall wonders appear in their time. For they shall behold the world which is now invisible to them and they shall behold the time which is now hidden from them and time shall no longer age them. Hey. <laughs> yeah, hey. For in the heights of that world shall they dwell and they shall be made like unto the angels and be made equal to the stars and they shall be changed into every form they desire from beauty into loveliness and from light into the splendor of glory. For there shall be spread before them the extensive paradise and there shall be shown to them the beauty of the majesty of the living creatures which are beneath the throne and all the armies of the angels who are now held fast by my word lest they should appear and are held fast by a command that they may stand in their places till their advent comes. Moreover, there shall then be excellency in the righteous. In those days a change um, take place for the holy and the elect and the light of day shall abide upon them and glory and honor shall turn to the holy. And the righteous shall be victorious in the name of Yahweh Sabaoth. Moreover, there shall then be excellency in the righteous, surpassing that in the angels. Whew. For the first shall receive the last, those to whom they were expecting, and the last of those whom they used to hear that they had passed away. For they have been delivered from this world of tribulation and laid down the burden of anguish. There is going to be a people, brothers and sisters, that are going to be removed from tribulation. This is not rapture doctrine. This is talking about a very small remnant of people that confess Messiah that we will be taking out of tribulation and to safety and out of tribulation and the burden of anguish. The majority will be in the second harvest, I believe. In any case, beautiful passage. So remember, it says, <clears throat> so group one will be taken out of tribulation and anguish will be changed and he will cause others to witness this that they repent and forego the works of their hands. Remember, uh, Revelation 14 Revelation 14 where you've got the 144,000 maybe even the great multitude there I'm not sure uh, but they were singing a new song right they were rejoicing they were they were um, you know glorified excuse me and we see that in Enoch that other people see this that they repent well here I think we in Psalm 40 we have a little vision of this I waited patiently for Yahuwah and he inclined unto me and heard my cry he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock. And I do believe this rock that's cut without hands, this mountain cut without hands, New Jerusalem, and established my goings. And he has put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our Elohim. Many shall see it, this change, and fear, and shall trust in Yahuwah. He will cause others to witness this, that they may repent and forego the works of their hands. So, you know, one thing it says here, the group two, they shall have no honor through the name of Yahweh Sabaoth, yet through his name they shall be saved. Right? And in, in the alternate version, Sephir says, others shall be made to see this, that they may, must repent and forsake the works of their hands, and that glory awaits them not in the presence of Yahuwah. So they, it, look, it almost sounds like they're not going to be able to be in the presence of Yahweh Sabaoth, yet by that his name they may be saved. So, and that turns to Matthew 5, 17, 
through 20, think not that I am come to destroy the law, the Torah, or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. If you look up this Greek word, it means to be brought to the full, to the full teaching, to the fullest extent, to its in, uh, intentional, uh, in, intended meaning, uh, not to like to do away with. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the Torah till all be fulfilled. Now, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them shall be called the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So people will say, well, see, you don't have to keep the commandments and you'll be in the kingdom. You'll just be least. And people that are humble are like, well, I don't mind being least. I'll be the, I'll be the doorman. You know, I'll be the, the street sweeper. Fine. I just want to get in. But we have to remember that when, uh, let's see, do I have that here? No. We have to remember... <clears throat> It is in Revelation 11 that when his kingdom comes down and the seventh angel sounded and there was great voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our master, of our Yahuwah and of his Messiah and shall reign forever and ever. So remember, all the territory outside of the new Jerusalem will also be his kingdom. So it's very possible that these people will you know, maybe still be saved, but uh, won't be in, they won't have the reward of the kingdom. That's just a thought. And that's kind of what, how the Sefer translation, that glory awaits them not in the presence of Yahuwah, yet that by his name they still shall be saved. But whosoever shall do and teach them, shall the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. And what was their righteousness? Well, it was their man-made teachings. Matthew 15, 1-9, Then came Yahushua to the scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. You won't find that anywhere in the Torah. But he answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of Elohim by your tradition? For Elohim commanded, saying, Honor your father and mother, and he that curses father or mother will die the death. But you say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift by whatsoever you might be profited by me, and honor not his father and mother, he shall be free. We're supposed to take care of our parents when they get old. And what would happen is, the you know, there was a law that said, Well, if you gave that gift to the temple instead, that you'd be free from this law. Thus have you made the command of Elohim none effect by your tradition. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draws nigh unto me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Why? Because in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Something we do not want to be a part of. So also something really interesting about <clears throat> a certain people being taken out of tribulation or saved from tribulation. This is something that uh, Brother Josh uh, Truex, who does the uh, temple maintenance series which i think he's gonna have another um another series coming up or another uh part coming up soon we were talking about this the other day um yesterday maybe and this came up and josh initiated the conversation and then we kind of put the pieces together and it was like whoa we've never seen this before so let's go to messiah's prayer what people call the you know the lord's prayer messiah's prayer matthew 6 19 through 13 after this manner therefore pray you our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, this is the whole context of it, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we forgive our debtors or those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So he's the prayer here is to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or even better translated, but deliver us from the evil one. 
And this got us on a on a rabbit trail here, which is kind of interesting. So follow us. So uh, lead us not into temptation. What is he actually saying here? Like, don't lead us into times of trial. Well, you know, James says, don't think that, um, you know, Elohim doesn't tempt any man, but we are tempted of ourselves when we're drawn away by our lusts. Uh, it goes on to say we're supposed to rejoice in times of testing, right? Well, what is this temptation that he's talking about here? It's interesting. We find the same exact Greek word used here, Revelation 3.10, because you have kept the word of my patience, which denotes uh, obedience, kept it, actually done something with it. I also will keep you from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. This is none other than the great tribulation. And there are people that are going to be taken out of this, and there's going to be a majority of people left in it. So, I also will keep you from the hour of temptation. The exact same Greek word used in his uh, uh, prayer here, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So, let's tie this all together. Uh, but Actually, before we, uh, I'll read that in a second. Let's tie this together. Revelation 12, 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our Elohim and the power of his Messiah. So let's let's go let's not forget here. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the esteem forever. Amen. So what's going on here? So when Satan's cast out at that same time, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our Elohim physically and the power of his Messiah for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our Elohim day and night. So at the same time that Satan comes down, we talk about this a lot in our Revelation series and, and uh, when we talk about Revelation 12. At the same time that uh, Satan is cast out, the kingdom literally comes down. So literally you have two kingdoms on earth at the same time, Hasatan's kingdom and the kingdom of Elohim. And of course, we know that Hasatan gathers all the armies of the world with the beast to go against uh, Messiah and his kingdom. But the point is, <clears throat> is there's a separation. There's going to be the uh, entering people entering in the kingdom. And there's going to be left out in the world. They're either going to join up with the beast or have to resist the beast and his mark and be killed for it, of course. Um, so what's interesting here is that this is actually what Messiah is praying Lead us not into the time of tribulation, temptation, the time of temptation that comes upon the whole world to try them. There's only one time that this all comes together. But deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory from it. So lead us into, not into temptation, the time of tribulation. Deliver us from the evil one, right? For yours is the kingdom. For this is, this is literally Messiah's praying that we enter into the kingdom. Luke 21, 36, Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. That's the same thing he's talking about. To bring it home to Ezra 15, 24-27, Woe to those who sin and do not observe my commandments, says Yahuwah. That's the whole context of everything we're about to read. I will not spare them. Depart, you faithless children. Do not pollute my sanctuary. For Yahweh knows all who transgress against him. What his sanctuary is, of course, the, none of the New Jerusalem. For Yahweh knows all who transgress against him. Therefore, he will hand them over to death and slaughter in the tribulation. For now calamities have come upon the whole earth. This is the great tribulation. And you shall remain in them, for Elohim will not deliver you because you have sinned against him. What does that tell you about those who do keep his commandments? That they will be delivered and they won't remain in this tribulation. <clears throat> Right? I will not spare them. That actually reminds me of um, Malachi 3. 
Then they that feared Yahweh spoke often one to another, and Yahweh hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared Yahweh and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, says Yahweh Sabaoth, in the day when I take make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son that serves him. And ye shall return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between those that serve Elohim and those that serve him not. And how do we serve him? By keeping his commandments. Praise Yah. His word makes sense when the Ruach HaKodesh is guiding us. If there's any wisdom found in this study, uh, all praise, honor, and glory to the Father through His Son, Yahusha, and by the Spirit that He imparts upon His, uh, his sons and daughters to be able to understand His word more clearly. Praise Yah. All right, so <clears throat> that's the three end times harvest. Let's go into chapter 51, which also uh, says, also and in those days. So, we're going to see here clearly that this those days is the resurrection. Because remember, um, and in those days a change shall take place. Um, where is it? The righteous shall be victorious. So of chapter 51 of Enoch, and in those days shall the earth also give back that which has been entrusted to it. And Sheol shall also give back that which has it received. And hell shall give back that which it owes. So all the souls of men, righteous or unrighteous, are deposited into Sheol. We learn about this in the two Esdras. Uh, also earlier in the book of Enoch, we study this. I can't remember what part it was. Maybe the journey through hell, heaven and hell, um, and Sheol. But there's a, a chamber for the righteous and there's a chamber for the unrighteous. Um, so this is talking about the first resurrection, right? For in those days the elect one shall rise, and he shall choose the righteous and the holy from among them, for the day has drawn nigh that they should be saved. Right now has come salvation and the kingdom of our Elohim, which we just read in Revelation 11. And the elect one, oh, I'm sorry, in Revelation 12. And the elect one shall in those days sit on my throne, this is Messiah, and shall pour forth all the secrets of wisdom and counsel. For Yahweh has given them to him and has glorified him. So this is that separation. He says in this resurrection, he's going to select and choose the righteous Daniel 12, 2-4, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth, this is Sheol giving back that which it owes, shall awake, first resurrection, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Much like what we read in uh, Baruch 51, 2 Baruch 51. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. This is the people that get the reward. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. And as Baruch says, like the angels, even greater than the angels. But you, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. I believe that's the time we're living in now. Matthew thirteen twenty four through 30 another parable put he forth unto them saying the kingdom of heaven is likened so this is all about the kingdom is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field but while men slept his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way but when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit then appeared the tares also so the servants of the householder came and said unto him sir did you not sow good seed in your field from whence or from where did the, uh, come the tares? And he said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, Will you then that we go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gathered up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow until the harvest, and in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather you together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. So we see this separation here of the good and bad. Matthew thirteen forty seven. Again, this is a kingdom of heaven. This is about people getting into the kingdom or not is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. Oops, I didn't put verse 48. Um, oh, that's because I put 40. Oops. 
That's why. So uh, the kingdom of heaven is like into a net that was cast into the sea and gathered every kind. So and that's what the gospel is like. Anybody wants to, to, to believe on the Son of Man, come on and hear the message. Which, when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. There's a separation of people, even people that call upon Messiah. We saw that earlier. They're going to say, Master, Master, open. I don't know you. You worker of lawlessness. Gather the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. Matthew 24, 30-31. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Remember we said earlier, And to Esdras, do not be anxious, for when the day of tribulation and anguish comes, others shall weep and be sorrowful, but you shall ha rejoice and have abundance. That's what we're reading right here. They shall see the sign of... Uh, uh, they shall... I'm sorry. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. And that's this elect. Of course, he's talking about um, in those days a change shall take place for the holy and the elect. All right, verse uh, 4 of 51. <clears throat> And in those days shall the mountains leap like rams, and the hills also shall skip like lambs, satisfied with milk, and the faces of all the angels in heaven shall be lighted up with joy. So, Isaiah 55, we read earlier some of that earlier, as the rain comes down and the snow from the heaven and returns not hither, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. For you shall go out with joy. Right? All right where was it? Right? Others shall weep and be sorrowful, but you shall rejoice or have joy and have abundance. So you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing. In those days the mountains shall leap like rams and the hills also shall skip like lambs. For the mountains of the hills shall break forth before you into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. So instead of the unprofitable plant shall come up a very profitable tree. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, a very uh, profitable tree and it shall be to Yahuwah for a name and for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off hallelujah Jeremiah 31 1 through 14 at the same time says Yahuwah I will be the Elohim of all the families of Israel and they shall all be my people thus says Yahuwah the people which were left of the sword found grace in the wilderness even Israel when I went to cause him to rest Yahuwah has appeared of old unto me saying yea I have loved you with an everlasting love therefore with loving kindness have I drawn you Remember, no one can be drawn uh, to the Messiah, but the Father draws him. Again, I will build you, and you shall be built, O virgin of Israel. Kind of well, also one of the pieces of evidence we put forth with the 144,000. You shall be again adorned with your tabrets, and shall go forth in the dances of them that make merry. You shall yet plant vines upon the mountains of Samaria. The planter shall plant, and shall eat them as common things. For there shall be a day that the watchman upon Mount Ephraim shall cry, Arise ye, and let us go up to Zion, unto Yahweh Elohim. 
For thus says Yahuwah, Sing with gladness for Yaakob, and shout among the chief of the nations, publish ye, praise ye, and say, O Yahuwah, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country, and gather them from the coast of the earth, and with them the blind, the lame, and the woman with child, and her that travails with child together. A great company shall return thither. Man, that's the day we're waiting for. They shall come with weeping and with supplications, and I will lead them. And I will cause them to walk by the rivers of water in a straight way. That's kind of what we were talking about at the beginning of this. Wherein they shall not stumble. Right? He's a staff to those that stay upon him. For I am the father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of Yahuwah. Who's that? O nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, He that scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. For Yahuwah has redeemed Jacob, and ransomed him from the hand of him that was stronger than he. Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, and shall flow together to the goodness of Yahuwah, for wheat, and for wine, and for oil, and for the young of the flock and of the herd, and their soul shall be as a watered garden. Right? He who is thirsty, come, drink. And they shall not be sorrow, they shall not sorrow at all any more. Then shall their virgin rejoice in the dance, both young men and the old together. For I will turn their mourning into joy, and will comfort them, and I will make them rejoice from their sorrow, and I will satiate the soul of the priest with fatness. My people shall be satisfied with goodness, says Yahuwah. You know, there's an interesting uh, version of this in the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the scriptures, a little bit older than the Masoretic, which is what we're, most of us are used to and what we've been reading. This is uh, Jeremiah, what we just read is Jeremiah 31. Uh, however, in the Septuagint, Jeremiah 31 is Jeremiah 38. I'll just read you one passage, just for the timing of this. Behold, I will bring them from the north and will gather them from the end of the earth to the feast of Passover. And the people shall be get a great multitude and shall return thither. So, could be the timing of all this. Hallelujah. Okay. So with that, we'll just finish up this chapter and we'll be done with this week. And the faces of all the angels of heaven shall be lighted up with joy. And, and the earth shall rejoice and the righteous shall dwell upon it and the elect shall walk thereon. Let's take a look at the other version. In those days, the mountains shall skip like rams and the hills shall leap like young sheep satisfied with milk and all shall become like angels in heaven. Just... Praise yeah. Any case, brothers and sisters, uh, that is uh, our study for today. Um, I pray it blessed you in some way. Maybe just confirmed a lot of things you already knew. Uh, maybe you learned something new. I'm not sure. But nevertheless, may Yah be praised uh, through His Son, Messiah Yahusha. And we just thank Him for giving us the good gift of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, the set-apart spirit inside of us that helps us in the way, that guides us in His commandments and to be a ready... Uh, to be the ready ready ones, the wise ones, when the separation comes. So, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Yahweh Most High, come before you in Yahusha's name. We bless you and praise you for your word. We thank you for Messiah Yahusha. We thank you for putting us in this time, in this late hour. We believe in the time where uh, knowledge is increased and many are going to and fro. Father, please help us. Give us cultivation for our heart that we may do what's right in your sight. For we want to be ready. We pray always that we may be able to escape these things that are coming to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Father, we love you. We praise you. We uplift you. 
And Messiah Yahushua, we thank you and we praise you and we, th we give you all esteem for what you've done for us. We love you. In Yahushua's name, amen and hallelujah. Shabbat shalom. Brothers and sisters, hey, don't worry with what's going on, uh, with uh, what's going on in the world. Stay focused on him. Surely, surely we should be watching because he did say he'd come back in a time of wars and rumors of wars and famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Stay ready. Stay watchful. Keep your lamps lit and your wicks trimmed, as Brother Alan Horvath used to say. Um, look forward to seeing him in the kingdom. I pray that we are found ready and watching before when he comes. Much love, brothers and sisters. Shabbat shalom to you. And... Uh, We'll see you here in a few minutes, 15 minutes or so for the tour portion. Shabbat Shalom. Blessed are you, Yahweh of your sons so we could have hope taught us how to walk in spirit and in truth he is the vine through him we bear fruit your words are lamp unto our feet our hearts desire with every single beat your Torah inside us commandments we know till that creature fall we wait until it's gone when you said seeking my Said unto you, your face will not see, and sound had so far and gone the shout. We'll sing you praises, praises to our King, and clap your hands, all His people.
Do all we want to do is well done. 
to all we 